Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 26. Sleep to remember to sleep. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Haven't you been paying attention? Don't you remember anything I've said to you? I know the episodes aren't that long, but I've kind of been saying the same things for like eight hours now over the last few months. Remember? If you don't, no worry. In this week's episode, I'll be discussing some of the relationship between your memory and your sleep. Because if your sleep is not optimal, neither will your thinking be. So it is understandable that you may not remember how to get your sleep more optimal. It's okay. That's why we're here. So what does sleep have to do with memory? This can be a pretty dense topic, so today we'll be summarizing just some of the data on sleep and memory. In a future episode, we'll dive a bit more into one of my greatest concerns as a clinician, the role of sleep, or really poor sleep specifically, in the development and acceleration of several neurodegenerative conditions, and in particular, Alzheimer's dementia. In essence, sleep helps to prepare the brain to accept upcoming new memories, We know this primarily by seeing impaired memory formation in the first place following a night of disrupted sleep. Secondly, sleep helps to organize and consolidate memories after acquisition, primarily by pruning away unnecessary information. And sleep also provides rehearsal of recently acquired memories, allowing for associative or relational learning by linking new memory information with the rest of the vault of your fund of knowledge and experience. I hope after all this time you can appreciate the fact that not all sleep is created equal. I first introduced this to you all the way back in episode 1, in the context of why some people still don't feel rested despite sleeping a recommended number of hours. There are three stages of non-rapid eye movement sleep and one stage of rapid eye movement sleep, and they can each contribute differently to how we feel. Stage N2, for the second stage of non-REM sleep, accounts for about 50% of total sleep among normal sleepers. N2 sleep in general seems to be vital for memory of motor procedural tasks. For instance, whether you are learning a chord or scale on a musical instrument, learning a finger tapping sequence, like pinky index middle index ring, pinky index middle index ring, or trying to add a cut fastball to your pitching repertoire, N2 is key. One of the ways researchers figure this out is having subjects try to learn a task after a control of normal sleep, either overnight or a nap opportunity, versus a disrupted sleep opportunity, which could take the form of total sleep deprivation or stage-specific deprivation, where someone wakes you up every time you'd start to enter a particular stage of sleep, 
while still allowing for the total duration of sleep to remain the same, just with an altered makeup of these sleep stage proportions. Two common motor learning tasks are the pursuit rotor and mirror trace task. I'll have some links in the show notes at wellrestedmd.com where you can see some video examples of these learning tasks. For the pursuit rotor, as the name implies, there is a circle, and the subject is asked to follow a dot that rotates around the circle like a rotor, following it with a cursor or the computer mouse. The more they do it, and especially after a bout of N2 sleep, this simple, predictable pursuit movement is smoother with fewer wayward errors. The mirror trace task is even lower tech. The subject is provided a picture of a shape, most often a star, and is asked to trace the star. But the trick is that their direct view of their hands and picture is blocked by a barrier between their eyes and hands. So instead, all the tracing has to be done by looking in a mirror at the reflection of the picture and hands, which obviously appear backwards. The result is almost like trying to copy the Mona Lisa using only a piece of chalk held by the toes of your non-dominant foot. It is a simple, easy task made very hard by not being able to see what you're doing, or by misseeing what you're doing. So when N2 sleep specifically is prohibited or limited, subjects have a harder time learning these kinds of motor tasks or similar ones, like involving a pattern of finger taps. Think of learning a song on Guitar Hero. It's okay if you're not familiar with Guitar Hero, I'll have a link in the show notes. Apparently my only frame of reference are 2005 video games and whatever mid-90s pop and hip-hop songs were featured at the time on Jammer 94.5. Anyway, it seems that the amount, or whether or not someone achieves REM sleep, has no effect on the ability to learn these types of procedural and motor tasks. But that doesn't mean REM isn't important, as we'll get to soon. But before we move on from N2 sleep, it also appears that a particular feature of this kind of sleep is very important in declarative learning. As opposed to a physical maneuver in procedural learning, move A, then move B, then move C, then move A again, declarative learning is basically everything else, learning facts, figures, episodes, or events in a series. And the feature of N2 sleep that really seems to matter is something called a sleep spindle. When there are electrodes on the scalp measuring the electrical discharge of your brain cells as you think, we use the frequency, brain waves per second, and location to stage sleep, as well as several other important measurements in the field of neuroscience. Sleep spindles are small, fast waves that are generated by a deep relay station in the brain called the thalamus, having rapid back-and-forth discussions with the cortex, the walnut-looking wrinkly outer layer of the brain. These oscillations back and forth create these waves that we can pick up on the scalp. Now exactly what kind of information or data packets are passed back and forth is not clear, but what is clear is that these spindles matter a great deal in memory. The density of these spindles, the number of spindles per minute of N2 sleep, is significantly higher in subjects who just learned a declarative but not a procedural task, as well as higher after learning a declarative task versus a non-learning control. This is most evident within the first 90 minutes of sleep. But we see that the density of sleep spindles also correlates with recall of information both before and after sleep, meaning having better immediate recall of a just-learned fact makes it more likely that you will later have lots of sleep spindles when you next sleep. And, Regardless of how well you immediately remember a just-learned fact, you are more likely to recall it more effectively after sleep period during which you have more sleep spindles. Sleep spindles may be both a cause and effect of learning. Rapid eye movement sleep also shows some pretty interesting associations with learning. We talked in episode 19 about the role of REM sleep and emotional processing and memory integration, but it certainly plays other roles as well. We've seen for decades that animals generally feature greater REM duration and longer total sleep time following a learning task, but not a significant change in the duration of non-REM sleep. 
The same is seen in human babies. Some data suggests that the amount of REM sleep the night before helps to prepare the organism for subsequent learning, seen in both humans and other animals. However, the evidence is much stronger, favoring a role of REM sleep in consolidating and retrieving recently acquired information rather than just a preparatory role. Information acquired during wakefulness is reactivated and consolidated during REM sleep. Areas activated during learning tasks have been shown to be reactivated during subsequent REM sleep. The degree of reactivation is modulated by the strength of the memory during the learning episode, meaning that if you didn't really get it the first time around, there's not a whole lot to reinforce during REM sleep. Whereas if new information was easier to grasp or made more sense during that first exposure, that new memory is more likely to be even further strengthened during REM sleep. Some very interesting data has come out in the last decade demonstrating some of this. Using high-density electrodes, rats were observed learning a task, such as how to navigate through a maze in order to find the cheese. With these electrodes, researchers were able to see in real time a sequence of brain cell activation in a particular order. Then, when the rat was later asleep and having those sweet Gouda dreams, the researchers saw the exact same pattern, the same sequence of activity in the same region of the brain. It was as if the little rat was playing back the reel of straight, left, wrong turn, go back, right, left again, no right, right again, wait, stop, it's the cheese. But while the sequence, the particular pattern of brain cell firing in a particular order was the same as during the learning task itself, the difference, however, was that the speed of the pattern was different. In fact, it was as if the rat had her little paw on the fast-forward button speeding through the memory. This alteration of neuronal firing speed may have something to do with the time distortion or time dilation that we experience during dreams. Like how you can experience hours, days, or even weeks of experience only to wake up and realize that mere minutes have passed by. Like a dream scene from Inception, becoming an old man filled with regret. Now whether all memories, like non-navigational memories, are played back like this is not clear. It is clear, however, that human memory does not work like a tape reel recording of what happened. Your memory of an event is more like a tape reel of your internal experience and perception of what happened, with all the frailties, distortions, distractions, and bias manipulations that that entails. We also tend to do a bit of editing of memory as well every time we access it, perhaps in an effort to make everything more internally consistent when we come across new information that may not quite jive with the way I remembered it. REM sleep's role in creativity is similar to what we explored with emotional processing. As discussed in episode 19, we don't just have a tape recorder capturing visual information like a DVR on your TV. Rather, your brain is capturing tons of small memory subunits. Your body position, smell, taste, stress state, empty or full stomach, agitated or calm demeanor. Lots of information is part of the memory that has nothing to do with what's happening right in front of your nose which is part of the reason why your recall of an event may not have such high fidelity to the reality of the external event, because it's been colored by the reality of these internal events. Your brain takes all these memory subunits, each little bit of information, including bits of the visual and auditory information too, and recombines them. How is each little subunit related to some long-ago learned piece of information? Or memory from two weeks ago? Or memory from ten minutes earlier? These recombinations of loosely related or completely obscurely related memory subunits doesn't just make for the weird and randomness of dreams, but it is also your brain's way of trying to solve a puzzle. Simply, the puzzle is how does this new information relate to previously acquired information? But while your brain is running these are-they-related calculations, new and interesting combinations of thoughts and ideas result. 
so we wake up after REM sleep with a new sense of creativity. Problem solving is also improved after REM sleep. Word puzzles like anagrams are the subject of a lot of these studies demonstrating the creative power of REM sleep in unlocking difficult-to-figure-out problems. Because of those weird recombinations of memory subunits in REM sleep, we are better at creative processes in abstract reasoning and can even appreciate more readily even minor or weak associations between seemingly unrelated items that we couldn't realize prior to that episode of REM sleep. But we do see an effect of REM sleep on our recall. Since you haven't gotten in a nap yet since the beginning of this episode, N2 sleep seems critical for remembering motor and procedural tasks, like first move this, then move that, like learning a new song and an instrument. A particular part of N2 sleep seems to be highly associated with non-procedural or declarative memory. The greater the sleep spindles, the better the recall. But REM sleep too plays a role in the recall of declarative information. If you had to choose what kind of sleep to achieve after learning something to have the best chance of remembering it, it ought to be REM. Recall of information is better when you achieve isolated REM sleep more so than after isolated non-REM sleep. An isolated non-REM sleep is more effective at improving recall than if you just stayed awake for the same duration. But put all that together, and REM sleep, not isolated, plus non-REM sleep, especially those sleep spindles, instead of wakefulness, that normal sleep in all the right proportions is the best recipe for remembering. So to summarize, you've heard me talk a few times about this concept of neuroplasticity, the brain cells that fire together wire together, or where attention goes, neural firing flows and neural connections grow. Neuroplasticity is the physical manifestation, the mechanism of how we animals learn anything. Learning requires an experience, some firing pattern in the brain. But whether that pattern of brain cell behavior is stored, reinforced, and accessible in the future or not depends. and depends to a great extent on your sleep. Sleep is both the priming and reinforcement necessary for memory acquisition, bolstering, pruning, and ultimately the filing system, the Dewey Decimals tagging system for these new memories. Non-REM sleep, especially stage N2, is key to learning new muscle movements and procedures. One particular feature of N2 sleep, an electrical signature called sleep spindles, is important for declarative or non-movement-based memories. It may be both a cause and an effect of strengthened memory. And the all-important REM sleep is key not just for emotional processing of recent memories, as discussed at length in episode 19, but duration of REM is a biomarker of new memories. The same memory subunit recombinations that allow us to learn by dreaming to extinguish fears also allows for recombination and associative or relational learning with all of our previous base of knowledge. Helps us to integrate this new information with the rest of everything our brain understands about our universe of experience. This allows for a greater association of ideas, manifesting in improved problem solving and overall creativity. Isolated REM sleep also appears more effective in helping us to recall newly acquired declarative memories as well, more so than isolated non-REM sleep, and especially more so than wakefulness alone. But full, normal sleep, non-REM plus REM together, is really what seals the deal. Sleep is how our brain gets ready to learn. It's how our brain retains what is learned. And when sleep is failing, by quantity or quality, we see the results as difficulty concentrating, difficulty with short-term memory, difficulty with problem-solving, inflexible or rigid thinking, difficulty with long-term memory, difficulty with appreciating how recent events fit into the narrative of our experience. In effect, poor sleep leads to poor thinking, in general, because thinking about the past, the present, and the future relies on sleep for the mechanism of thinking, neuroplasticity, and the ability to compare to prior experience or to plan for future potential experiences. 
Taken to the extreme, this failure of thinking caused by the failure to achieve normal sleep is the basis for neurodegeneration, the progressive, unrelenting self-destruction of the brain, cell by cell, marching further and further into the abyss of dementia. Failure of normal sleep is the mechanism by which dementias like Alzheimer's develop and accelerate, as we'll explore in a future episode. So efforts to protect your sleep, not by going overboard, but just by maintaining normalcy. These efforts don't just better ensure a good night and a well-rested next day, but normal sleep is the insurance policy mammalian biology has taken out against the threat of brain deterioration. So remember to get a good night's rest, because without it, you stand a much higher chance that the ability to remember will itself be laid to rest. Created a little handout for you, so if you head over to wellrestedmd.com day, you can get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested, including some specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's www.wellrestedmd.com day. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave us a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.